0: Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode.
1: So what I did is I went back and I sold everything. And I started going to the gym, getting myself together, taking that time from doing that, and, and started getting my my health together. And I ended up losing 100 pounds. So I said, okay, I'm gonna come over and I'm gonna sleep on my brother's floor because um, he had a house at the time and um, and he had an extra bedroom that he used for storage. So I took a uh, so I took a camping mat uh, and a blanket and I uh, and I slept on his uh, floor there for um, I don't know probably three or four months. This is The Maverick Show you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. And today we have Nick Nimmin, who helps individuals and companies grow their influence with online video. On his personal channel, where he shares growth tips for YouTube video creators, he has increased his own subscriber base by over... Over a hundred thousand subscribers in the past twelve months alone, and he's added tens of thousands of targeted readers to his email list and turned his website, tubertools.com, into a growing resource for the video making community. In addition to his personal successes, Nick has helped clients leverage YouTube as a positioning and awareness tool, helped them turn YouTube into a consistent lead generator, and has helped clients turn the passion of making videos into a full-time income source. Also, Nick has lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand for more than a decade, and he and I are in Thailand together right now. We both were just speaking at the Nomad Summit, which brings together over 400 location-independent entrepreneurs or digital nomads under one roof uh, once a year in Thailand. So we had the uh, great opportunity to uh, get to hang out with each other as speakers at that conference, get to know each other. uh, And I immediately, uh, after hearing Nick's talk and getting to know him, uh, wanted to bring him on the show to share uh, both his expertise on on YouTube as well as some of his incredible life experiences uh, with the show. So Nick, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Now we need to start by going way back. Uh, You just told me literally as we were doing an audio check uh, that you once- Opened a concert for two live crew uh, and that you were in hip hop uh, in the hip hop and rap space back in Cincinnati, Ohio, before your Thailand day. So I want to start and go back there because I also uh, was a hip hop DJ during really? the nineties. Absolutely. Oh, nice. So nineties hip hop is, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's part of my, you know, my heart and soul. And so uh, that was a huge thing. Also, you know, kind of putting down beats for for people that wanted to to rhyme over them, but, but, you know, making mixtapes, you know, and then I actually turned that into my first business. Nice. So what I did is I started then DJing. So I, I built a mobile DJ company. When I was in high school, and I started DJing high school proms. I started DJing weddings and that kind of stuff. So by the time I was a junior in high school, I was DJing senior proms at other high schools. And then, nice. and then my senior year, I was DJing all of these senior proms at different area high schools. And then, uh, when I went away to college, I would come back in the summertime. And the summertime was the circuit for high school proms and then weddings and all of that kind of stuff. So I sort of made a a, a mainstream business out of it. But my love, of course, and what got me into it was, of course, hip hop and particularly in the 90s. right? So I want to hear your story uh, uh, about how you got into it and then what led to this uh, th- this opening for Two Live crews. So tell that story.
1: Nice. So first I want to say, you know, maybe that, those are the indicators of why we were both on stage recently. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, we're, I guess we're just into that sort of thing right? Yeah. So, um, so basically what happened is, um, you know, similar to you, I would make, uh, instrumentals, right? I got into digital music and I started making hip hop beats and a friend of mine, um, had some friends that were rappers. They started coming over and listening to the songs and they, they really liked what I was making. Um, so I went out and got a microphone and they came over and started actually recording. So then I started, you know, producing, um, actual songs, uh, for these guys. And then of course, more and more people started coming and all that, um, foolishly I didn't make a business out of it but I should have at the time but what I did get to do like you mentioned is I got to open um for two live crew because of you know doing that so basically how it worked was um the uh two live crew came to town and the person that was promoting it knew somebody that knew the guys that I made the music for and uh uh, that opening band had an issue where they couldn't make it or whatever and they reached out to them said hey you know you guys you know are already you know kind of on the circuit so to speak um, so do you guys want to open for two live crew and they're like yes absolutely now keep in mind you know they're like a local band they weren't doing this professionally so to speak um, so one of the guys couldn't get off work in order to open for two live crew personally I would have been like hey boss I'm leaving you know what I mean like fire me whatever you want to do I'll find another job Right? but you know for him it was a, it was a good job and he was like you know hey I'm, I, I, I just can't do it um, so they asked asked me since, you know, since I produced the song, I knew word for word, you know, the whole thing. So, uh, so they asked me if I would go in and fill in for him and that gave me the opportunity to, uh, to, to be a part of that opening thing. It was, it was for one song uh, for Two Live Crew, for me personally.
0: But you got to meet Luke Skywalker and the guys and you got to be backstage and part of the whole... Yeah, production and all that kind of stuff. Amazing. And, and how did that feel being in front of that size of an audience and everything? It was, it was cool.
1: And, and keep in mind, this was, you know, two life crew wasn't at their peak, there. right. You know, like right. they had
0: already, you know, you know, they had already had
1: their thing and then, you know, right. started dying off. So it wasn't, you know, a humongous audience, but at the time it was the biggest audience that i had ever stood in front of. So it was, it was fun. It was scary. It was intimidating. I was
0: nervous, you know, all of that good stuff that comes along with that, but, uh, but it was cool. And maybe was the forerunner to your stage presence and your video presence and, sure. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So take us all roads l- lead
1: to Rome, right? They, that's what do, they say. Yeah,
0: that's right. So so take us a little bit more on that journey in terms of what brought you, what what you were doing, sort of your entrepreneurial trajectory. I mean, you're you're pretty much been a serial entrepreneur for most of your adult life. Yes. So take us down that trajectory, and then what led you to Thailand and to where you are now? Okay. So um so uh, I first started
1: working on myself or for myself uh, in some capacity when I was 19. Um, I have done a bunch of different, uh, businesses. I've, I've did a, a pooper scooper business to where we went out and we were picking up, you know, dog crap around the area. And the idea was we'll do it first and then we'll hire people. But then after a few weeks, we are like, you know, what are we doing? You know, we need to do something else. Um, but we did that. We, um, we had a, a commercial or I had a, a commercial cleaning service where we did office buildings. That was pretty, pretty successful. Um, I had a door to door marketing company for 10 years. Um, I also did a, um, uh, advertising service where we basically would go to hotels and we would offer them um, to do their in-room guest directories for free in exchange for letting us sell all the advertising and make the money from the advertising for that. Um, so so I've done a handful of things, you know, that that um, kind of propelled me in this direction. Uh, but one thing that happened is I got out of a relationship. You know, towards the end of that, at the time, I was actually running the cleaning company and the uh, marketing company side by side. And as far as like my 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 video presence, I would. Leave most of that on what I learned from going door to door, also, but um, but basically, uh, uh, I got out of a relationship and. Uh I was having a difficult time with it, as, you know, often happens when people get out of long-term relationships. Sure. And um, uh, my brother, who was already living here in Thailand, reached out to me and he said, hey, if you um, want to take some time, he said, if you, can, if you can hand off everything to your partner and take uh, a month and come over here and just hang out, clear your mind. He's like, I guarantee you, you'll feel uh, much better when you go back. He said, um, I want you to come over here so bad and take this break because I think it's so important that I'll actually finance the whole trip, all expense paid trip our paid ticket trip you don't have to bring a dollar i'll cover the whole thing because it's that important for me to get you over here so that you can you know feel better amazing right? because that's how my brother and i roll that's right amazing. so it's like you know like uh, we have gonna, an awesome relationship who is going to turn that down that's right. unbelievable yeah so uh, so i came over here um, for that month. And we went um, uh, all over the country and uh, and I was just blown away by the country. And uh, uh, I started talking to him saying, you know, this is fantastic. And, you know, I would love to live here as well because I, I was into the lifestyle. I was like, man, this is just great. Um, but, you know, I have all this stuff back home and, you know, it's kind of locked me in there. And he's like, hey, if you want to come over here, because um, he was doing professional graphic design at the time. And he said, hey, if you come over here, um, then I will help you, you know, start getting into that. Um, and you can start doing that as well. He said, you probably won't make as much, but it will give you the opportunity to, to live this lifestyle if that's something that you want to do. And at the time, an, another side effect of this at the time, you know, I was really overweight, like very overweight because I was working so much. Like I like I said, I was running the cleaning company and the marketing company side by side. Um, so I ended up getting up to 280 pounds. Um, so I was, you know, just not taking care of myself in any way, shape or form. And uh, so what I did is I went back and, um, and I sold everything. And I started going to the gym, getting myself together, taking that time from doing that and, and started getting my, my health together. And um, during that process, he started teaching me how to get customers. He started funneling customers my way. And as far as the graphic design is concerned, um, like I was playing with Photoshop in high school. Like I learned how to use Photoshop in high school back when it was Photoshop before they had all these addition numbers, you know, and all that stuff. But um, I was playing with Photoshop in high school and it was kind of like a, a passion of mine to do um, just graphic design and that kind of stuff. And, and I was always doing all the graphics for any project that I was working on and and things along that line or along those lines as well. And, uh, um, uh, but I went back sold everything and then started the process of um, of making that transition over to here and uh, how that happened is I ended up losing a hundred pounds um, yeah wow yeah almost all of that was before I came I think it was like 80 something pounds before I came here and then the rest fell off you know once I got here uh, well it didn't fall off but I exercised it off once I got here and uh, um, the graphic design thing had started but you know in all honesty it wasn't enough to to sustain me Thailand's cheap but There's also the, you know, like if you come from the Western world and you don't want to make the sacrifices of living in like a, you know, $100 a month apartment, so to speak, um, then, you know, you definitely have to make some additional sacrifices somewhere. So what I did is I came over. And, um, I didn't want to dig into savings or anything like that. So I said, okay, I'm going to come over and I'm going to sleep on my brother's floor. Um, cause he had a house at the time and, um, and he had an extra bedroom that he used for storage. So I took a, uh, so I took a camping mat, uh, and a blanket and I, uh, and I slept on his, uh, floor there for, um, I don't know, probably three or four months um, before, before I went and got my, my first apartment here, which is like 5,000 baht, which is still like 150 bucks. Right. But at the time, 150 bucks took you a little bit further than, than it does now here in Thailand. But, um, uh, but you know, I got that first apartment and, uh, and then it just kind of, you know, rebuilt everything from there.
0: That is amazing. And the the story actually resonates with me because of a lot of the people that I was just speaking to at this Nomad Summit. Right. And so people, would just come up to me and start talking to me, and I would ask them questions, where are you from, how long have you been here, this kind of stuff. Um, And it was amazing. I mean, there were a number of people that had come to Chiang Mai just recently, I mean, just within the last week or two, and had come for the summit and were planning to stay. You know, and they said, I just, I had heard about Chiang Mai, which for people that don't know, is one of the top, if not the top sort of hub in the world for digital nomads and location-independent business owners, the community here is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, from people all over the world that are here doing interesting things and, and and networks and the way they have the community set up, it's quite incredible. And so a lot of people, I think, hear about it and then they just want to come here and then they get here. They may not have much money at all, but they found a way to get to Chiang Mai and now they're going to try to make something work. And a lot of people were at that early stage. They were like, well, I'm not really sure. I, I have a couple of business ideas, but I I just wanted to get to Chiang Mai so I could plug into the community, uh, you know, and then I could have a supportive environment to build my business because people were coming from a lot of places and they were saying, "Listen, I don't know." anybody in my circles that supports the type of lifestyle that yeah. I want, that supports the type of entrepreneurial path that I'm looking for. But I listened to podcasts and I heard about Chiang Mai. So I'm here to basically be a part of the community and build my business in a supportive environment, which just blew me away how many people had that type of a story. Yeah. Yeah. it's It's, it's crazy because, you know, there's
1: there's the, the risk involved of just leaving your country and everything that you know in the first place. There's that side of it. But on the, on the back end of that, you know, for the people that are coming over and they don't know what direction it is that they're going to go yet, um, it's terrifying because, you know, you come over and you don't know, you know, Hey, am I going to, am I, am I going to be able to make this work or not? You know, you don't know if you're going to end up being able to, to, to be here for six months. If you're going to be able to be here for a year before you end up having to go back. And, and that's the, that's the big one is that fear of having to go back and not being able to, um, not being able to pursue what it is that you initially set out for. But you know, the, the same thing applies, you know, like if you are an entrepreneur in any capacity, you know, even if you, if you're in the same hometown that you grew up in and you're still taking these entrepreneurial ventures, those fears are still there in terms of like, hey, what if this doesn't work out, then I have to go back and get a job, right? So it's, it's similar in that regard. But the, the, the difference here is, or anywhere, if you move outside of your country, the difference here is, okay, if things are, if the business isn't doing great and you're back home, you can go get a job to supplement if you want, right? But here, if, if business isn't good, you're going home. And like, and then you're going to have to figure it out once you get there. You know, it's not like you can just go and find some part-time job to work while you're building your business. You're either like all in or you're on your way back. One of the two.
0: Although, although I think the risk mitigation aspect of coming here that a lot of people find is how much lower the lifestyle expenses yes, are absolutely. and the living expenses. And so the amount of income you need to make from your business to cover your living expenses is a much lower yes. threshold than if you were living in LA or New York right, or absolutely. San Francisco or yeah. wherever. Yeah, or even right? in the middle of nowhere. In the middle, yeah, yeah any, yeah, I mean, in, any place cheaper. in the United States right, right. Or, or, or the UK or Western Europe or anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and can you give people a sense of, that, Nick, because you sort of mentioned a, a, a number really quick in passing, but a lot of folks, if they haven't been to Thailand or maybe they haven't been to the region, maybe this is the first they are hearing about Chiang Mai in general as a city, uh, can you give just a sense of the cost of living uh, over here compared to the United States, just so that people have a sense of that? Well,
1: first I want to say that since I've been over here for 11 years, when I go back to the States, I'm just blown away yeah. at how much money I burned through. Yeah. Just doing just like day-to-day stuff, like, hey, you know, I'm going to take my mom to go eat. Yeah. And then you know it's like wow there goes forty bucks yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it's it's incredible yeah. Um, but yeah over here um, you can be comfortable I mean you know we all have different expectations but you can be comfortable on roughly a thousand dollars but if you're if you're if you're if you say have what 10, that means to uh, spend, say that means a thousand dollars per month month yeah a thousand dollars per month you can be comfortable for yeah so so basically like you can get a you can get a room for let's say um, ten thousand bot that's three hundred bucks. Right? $300 a month. Yes. Okay. And that's a comfortable studio, right? right? There's a, a studio comfortable studio. Apartment. You have air conditioning. Yeah. Um, you're in a safe building to where, you know, maybe you're a few floors up. You don't have to worry about anybody breaking into your place or anything like that. Um, you have most likely for that price range, you're looking at, you might have um, like a small kitchen included. Like as an example, a studio that we built here, um, we pay 10,000 uh, baht a month for that, which is roughly $300 um, in that room. I'm not sure the actual space, but comparatively, it's the size of probably two bedrooms in Cincinnati, just, just for the reference, you know, since yeah. this is a real estate show, you know, they might know what I'm talking about yeah. here. But, um, about the size of a two bedroom house in Cincinnati that would cost probably, um, like $150,000. Okay. Yeah. It's about, it's about that size, yeah. um, for, for that space that we get for 300. Yeah. And, um, in that is included a small kitchen, a refrigerator. And a TV, and it also it also comes furnished, which is something that doesn't happen a lot. Right. Know, back home yep. either, um, so you don't have to you know go out and get this place, and then go out and buy sofas right. and beds and you right. know all that stuff. It, all, you, it comes with everything. Um, so that particular space here would be a like as a single person coming over here, it's all you need. For sure. All, all for you need sure. without question. For sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. And these are comfortable, I mean, spacious studios yeah. You know uh, that you would get in the U.S. comparably for $300 a month for a nice studio apartment. Okay. So there's that. And then when we talk about food, and I've been eating, I've been here for about three weeks now, uh, and we're talking about you go out to a nice Thai restaurant, a entree, uh, seafood entree, like a shrimp curry with rice type of entree, $2 to $3.00. Is about the price of a nice seafood entree for really good Thai food. Yeah, which is to say that I have been eating a lot of really good <laughs> Thai food. But it's like, but it's like everything, right? Um, massages, Thai massages, yeah. a sixty-minute Thai massage. That alone eight, is eight, worth living here. Eight dollars for a sixty-minute professional Thai massage. I mean, it is just unbelievable. The cost of living over here is incredible, and so, yeah. you know, I think the the a lot of the attraction, you know is lifestyle arbitrage, right, as it's known. So if you can generate income, um, you know, based on U.S. dollars or or U.K. or Euros or whatever it is, but you have this kind of overhead, that helps a lot of entrepreneurs not have such a high threshold of needing to make, you know, X number of dollars to cover basic living expenses. They can just lower their living expenses and have an amazing quality of life. I mean, I think that's, for me, what stands out about Chiang Mai is the cost of living to quality of life ratio, yeah, right? Because I've been to a number of countries that are very cheap, but they do not have the quality of life of Chiang Mai. Yeah, I like mean, the life is cheap too, I, I mean, right? Th- I mean, this <laughs> city has ex- incredibly beautiful weather, but it has, I mean, it has a coffee shop culture, an independent coffee shop culture yeah. on par with any Western European capital city, in my opinion. I mean, it's the, the coffee scene here is unbelievable. I mean, the restaurant scene, I mean, it has all of that. And yet it is, Unbelievably inexpensive And on the coffee scene They even take it up a notch
1: because it's like local beans. I mean, of course yeah. they have Starbucks and all that, but they also, you know, like a lot of the um, yeah. cafes around here. You know, it's like local beans that are pulled in from like local mountains and and all that stuff. So you're getting like fresh stuff that um, it's it's yeah it's fantastic. It, it's
0: amazing. And so and so that that sort of I, I think encompasses a lot about uh, Chiang Mai and why there's such an incredible uh, community here. Um, so so you've been here a number of years. You're obviously staying here. You love it here, uh, and I can absolutely see why. Most of the people that I talk to are like, man, I hope I don't ever have to leave this right. place i'm just i 'm here right. and now i'm just going to stay like a vortex it's yeah. amazing um, okay so so let's talk a little bit about now um, you know what you're doing and what you're sort of primarily known for I mean you have Really developed, uh, you know, I think a number of incredible techniques for 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 YouTube, and, you know, an online video content creation in general uh, that have propelled you. I mean, particularly over the last couple of years, uh, into a very prominent, you know, sort of well known known space in the YouTube uh, uh, tips, you know, sort of category. You've grown your personal YouTube channel over a hundred thousand subscribers in a single year. Yes, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about. Both how you did it, but even more importantly, how other people can do it. So let's maybe talk in general about some of the tips that you would have. Let's say someone is either starting from scratch mm-hmm. or they've dabbled a little bit, maybe done a little bit of YouTube stuff, uh, uh, video creation, but they haven't really taken it very seriously. Talk about maybe let's start with what are, are some of the core tips if someone wanted to create a plan for really growing audience. And this is for people that are in any business, right? Uh, That wanna grow an audience by delivering value through YouTube. What is the best way to get viewers and get audience and build a fan
1: base through video? Um, The first thing is you mentioned four people that want to take it serious, right? Yeah. The first thing is to take it serious. Right. Right. Because, Because just like with anything that you do, if you're a blogger, if you are a podcaster, if you are putting videos on the internet, or if you have a business that you're running, you have things that you have to do consistently in order to make the machine work on your behalf, right? Right. YouTube is exactly the same. So first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you're taking it seriously. The second most important thing that you want to keep in mind on YouTube is that you are keeping watch time in mind. Watch time on YouTube is basically the amount of time that people watch each single video. Okay. It's also the amount of time that people watch additional videos on the platform, preferably your videos specifically. Um, So there's watch time, which is like on a per video basis. And then there's session time, which is on a per session basis, which basically means it's like technical jargon for the amount of time people spend on YouTube. Okay. And the amount of time people spend within your own content. So what you want to focus on the most important thing that you need to focus on is one, your audience retention. So you need to be able to keep people watching your videos. Like if somebody comes in, let's say you have a 10 minute video and somebody comes into your video and they watch a minute of your video and they leave. That video is not performing for you um, in a way that's going to help your channel or that's going to help you on the platform. However, if you make a 10 minute video and people are typically watching five minutes of that video or six minutes of that video, then you're going to start getting preference on the platform. YouTube can help um, or will start uh, promoting your channel internally on the platform as well.
0: Yeah, no, so, so make good content that is going to keep the viewer watching throughout the entire video and not have them lose interest. So make right. it tight yes. so they don't get bored, yes. but make it long enough so that they'll watch through and you'll get a decent amount of watch time. What would be the optimal length, would you say, for, for making videos on, on YouTube that YouTube wants to see?
1: Um, there was a study done uh, last year um, that studied over 70,000 channels, over 50,000 subscribers, and that study uh showed that videos that are seven to uh 17 minutes in length um tend to perform best on the on the platform now with that said all of this um when it comes to data like that um all of it that's like a blanket statement okay but um on a per channel basis, sometimes you'll have videos that you make that are three minutes that outperform videos that are 10 minutes, okay? Because it it comes down to the watch time, but it also comes down to how people are interacting with the content as well. Um, If you are ranking your videos for search, it also comes down to, you know, what terms that you're actually going for to pull in traffic and things like that. And it also comes down to your thumbnails in terms of how you can actually pull people from the suggested features elsewhere on YouTube. So there's other variables besides the watch time, but that's the thing that gives your, your channel and your videos the authority, so to speak, on YouTube, so that the platform itself can start suggesting you else, uh, elsewhere on the platform. And
0: is it a total uh, number of minutes watch time, or is it a percentage through the video? So if you make a three-minute video, and people are watching all three minutes of the video, or if you make a eight-minute video, and people are watching four minutes out of the eight-minute video...
1: Four minutes you, wins. You get the four minutes. Yeah, Okay. four minutes wins. Now, okay. um, uh, the percentage comes in when you are looking at the people that you're ranking against okay. Okay, so let's say that you have, um, like, if you can imagine, and really quick for anybody listening to this right now, um, you might be thinking, you know, how in the world can I tell how long people are watching my videos? How in the world can I tell what's working and what's not? Um, I just want to just to let you know that um, YouTube inside of their analytics has an audience retention report, um, and you can see second per second how people are actually responding to your content. So that's how you know that information. Um, but let's say as an example that you have um, – a bunch of videos over in the suggested uh, sidebar while you're watching one video. So, basically, how that works let's say that you have one video in the suggested sidebar that the thumbnail is getting a higher click through rate than you, then because they are getting a higher click through rate on their thumbnail, if their video is performing better, they're going to put that video in a better spot than what your video is in. But if their thumbnail is getting a higher click through rate but your video is outperforming them, then they're going to move you up because you're actually keeping people on the platform longer.
0: Got it does so that okay. make sense
1: yep so in 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 that regard um, the reason that it's important to not make just a bunch of one minute videos is because you want to accumulate that time per video so that you can outrank other people and be suggested over people uh, or other people so if you have a three-minute video and people watch 100% of that, the most watch time that you can get per viewer is three minutes. But if you make uh, an eight-minute video and people are watching just half of it, then that still gives you the opportunity to get four minutes of watch time per video, which all of that watch time credits the authority on your channel, so to speak, which can give you that that overall lift.
0: Okay, so let's take a step back and look at – mo- uh, let me ask a more macro question. Okay, Why should a business owner – or an entrepreneur or a real estate agent or you know uh, a self-employed person, start a YouTube channel, do a YouTube show. Why should they do that on, on YouTube? Why should they use the medium of video?
1: Um, there are over a billion users on YouTube. okay There are over a billion users on YouTube, and in addition to there being over a billion users on YouTube, when you're watching videos, subconsciously and consciously, you're getting to know the person that you're watching their videos. So like, let's say that you are a real estate professional. Maybe somebody listened to this show. Let's say you're a real estate professional. This comes in extremely valuable for you because in addition to, you know, all of the other marketing efforts that you're doing that you can also use your videos in, but in addition to all of those other marketing efforts, basically what you're doing is you're letting people know your expertise. You're letting people know the nuances of your personality because what happens is there's something called that I spoke about at the event, there's something called parasocial interaction. With parasocial interaction, that's basically the idea of a one-sided relationship. And that happens to celebrities. That happens on YouTube to where basically when you are uh, watching a channel consistently, you start to feel like you know that person that's that's in the video because over time, you know, hey, they mentioned that they're going through this. They mentioned that they're having – that they just sold this house. They mentioned that they just did this particular thing. Then you start to be involved with what's going on and the information that they're sharing. So with that, you actually – actually start to develop a one-sided relationship with that person, even though they may have never had any type of, of interaction with you whatsoever outside of maybe a comment on their YouTube channel or something like that. So in addition to sharing your expertise, sharing what it is that you know, you're also using YouTube as something that is is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, around the clock, building relationships for you. And if you're doing any type of business, especially real estate or something like that, then uh, you know that
0: without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation. If that sounds interesting to you, to learn more about it, you can just go to the slash consult. And now back to the episode.
1: That relationship side of things is, is, Humongous.
0: Okay, so let's say that someone is a real estate agent in mm-hmm. a particular city, and they want to use YouTube and they want to use video uh, content to, you know, really just, uh, you know, dominate their market and, and use that as their medium for, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, accelerating beyond their competitors. Let's say, uh, and they came to you and they said that they haven't done YouTube before, maybe they don't have a channel at all, they want to start a channel uh, and they want to grow it as efficiently and quickly as possible uh, around their area of expertise, right? Which is being a real estate agent in this particular market. What advice would you have for from the start? Somebody says, Nick, I'm ready to take it seriously. I'm going to commit to it. I'm an expert on, you know, real estate in my local market. That's certainly my area of expertise. So I have the knowledge. I'm willing to take it seriously. What do I do, uh, you know, from start, to you know, zero to 60, what, what are my moves to get this off the ground? Um, you want to make
1: the initial content that you're launching on your channel, you want to make it all around series playlists. Um, series playlists on YouTube, Like they have two different types of playlists. They have a normal playlist, they have a series playlist. The normal playlist is basically just a way that you can organize your content. It's a way that you can organize your own content and a way that you can also organize content of other people that you may be interested in. You can display that on your channel or you can just have it on your playlist page to where you know, it's, it's a... It's a um, uh, a grouping of videos, right? Um, a series playlist is where you are telling YouTube it's actually just a checkbox that you check and you're and you're telling YouTube these videos are all directly related to each other in some way. Okay, every video in this playlist is directly related to each other. So what they do is they let you put each video um into one series playlist. So you can't do multiple series playlists, but you can put multiple videos into multiple playlists, okay? So that that leans on the power of the series playlist, okay? So how that works is basically when you have a video playing on the watch page that is part of this series, then um YouTube is going to suggest the other videos in that series or some of the other videos in that series to the people that are watching that video. So you're going to see that video um, at the end or or other videos in that series at the end of the video after all of your stuff is finished playing. Um, Those other videos in the series playlist are more likely to autoplay next, which is the default setting on YouTube. And those other videos are more likely to be suggested next to that video um, in the suggested sidebar as well. So what you do when you create the videos in a series playlist is in addition to – um, you know, putting up the videos and increasing that watch time because you're creating an actual series that people are more likely to binge watch. You're also increasing the chances of them going deeper into your own content through all of those other features that YouTube is suggesting you through.
0: Okay. And let's talk specifically, um, you know, again, uh, advising someone who's just starting off with this, what frequency, how often do they want to publish content, Uh, what duration should those videos be, you know, and any other sort of tips for, you know, kind of getting out of the gate and developing. If someone's going to develop a content calendar and they were going to say, I really want to do this plan and I want to grow consistently and efficiently, uh, what should that content calendar look like?
1: If you're trying to be somebody that is full-time on YouTube and you're trying to be somebody that is, you know, doing it in that regard, um, uploading three times a week is the best way to get rapid growth. Actually, daily is the best way to get rapid growth because the more that you upload, the more the algorithm favors you, right? As long as people are responding to your content. Um, If you're a business owner, you also have your business to run. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Um, But what you want to do is you want to upload at least um, once a week. Um, if you can do two or three times then that 's a bonus but at least once a week and the reason for that is because YouTube serves your content to other viewers based on their viewing history right so if you are in their viewing history or the more that you're in somebody's viewing history the more likely you are to be served to people with similar viewing histories to that person that 's watching your content so if you're uploading three times a week and they're suggesting you to all of these new viewers then basically you're getting embedded in their viewer history as a recent video something that they're currently interested in right so the more that you upload you 're in their recent viewer history, therefore that allows you the ability, so to speak, or the opportunity to be suggested um, uh, to other viewers with similar watch histories of those per- of those people that are watching your videos.
0: Okay, and three times a week may sound, I don't know if that sounds like a lot to some people, but basically if you're just... It's a lot. just a lot. If you're just, but, a lot but, but, but if you're <laughs> just talking about, if you're just talking about a five to seven minute video, yeah. right, and the person who's recording it, right, let's say the real estate agents in our example, they're already an expert on their market. I mean, they can talk about this stuff off the top yeah. of their head and the way that you can talk about this stuff off the top of your head or whatever, right? right? So if you, if you already know your subject matter and you're just speaking about a particular aspect of it for five to seven minutes with the camera on, in theory, you could just batch
1: that. Without and you- question. That, that's actually not even in theory. I mean that's the most efficient way to create content right. is, is to batch produce it because what happens is if you say, okay, I'm going to upload a video every Friday – right? Then what happens is if you're not batch producing content or you're not making content ahead of schedule, then what happens is Wednesday rolls along and you're like, oh crap, I need to make a video for Friday, right? And then it becomes an issue. It becomes something that is more of a strain on you instead of something that you're leveraging to your benefit. So batch producing content to where you sit down once a month, and knock out you know uh, four videos if you're doing weekly, eight videos if you're doing twice a week, or twelve videos if you're doing uh, three times a week. If you go ahead and knock those out in in a session, then then it gives you all of that space over the course of the month to where you don't even have to think about it.
0: Right. And so even if you were doing three times a week, that's twelve videos a month, which you could sit down in uh, an afternoon if they're five minute videos. Yes. And you know what they are, and you're you know you're you're an expert in your your issue, and you can speak about them where you've you've outlined or scripted them briefly, uh, and you can just knock them all out in one afternoon. So if you can schedule one afternoon a month then you can have that three video schedule. Yes, without question. And of course, on the backside of that, there's also the
1: edit. So, you know, if you're, let's say that you are a real estate professional, you know, you might want to outsource your editing or something like that so that you can continue focusing on, on what it is that you're good at because there is a learning curve typically that comes with editing and all of that and, and processing audio and, and all of that. So if you want to just focus on your business and only use YouTube as a marketing tool, then then find somebody either on your team or find somebody that you can um, outsource the, the the editing too.
0: Right. And if you don't have someone on your team, um, you know, Upwork dot com yes. is where I find a lot of the people that I hire as independent contractors to perform various different things. Because as a business owner, you want to put your time into the highest and best use of right. your time and where you're getting the biggest return. And so you delivering your content and you allowing your audience to build that relationship with you over video and you being out there and stuff, that is an enormously valuable use of your time. Yeah. You learning how to edit videos and then spending your time in the you know editing room and all that kind of stuff is probably not the highest and best use of your time. Cause again, if you're a real estate agent, you're either outselling houses, you're building relationships with clients or you're recording videos and allowing them to, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're building your expert positioning, you're building your authority, you're building your relationships with people that don't even know you yet and so forth. So those are all very good uses of your time, the editing and that kind of minutia. Um, you know, you can go onto a site like Upwork. Um, and there's a few other competing sites too. And if you're not from the U S there's others like people per hours in the UK and there's other, um, uh, sites, all of which I have used. Um and you can just look. I mean, just Google for you know YouTube editors or you know video editors or that kind of stuff. You'll find a ton of people. And if you, know, if you haven't used these sites before, you can filter by the number of hours that the person has put in on the site, the number of reviews. You know, you can say I only want people with five star reviews or whatever it is. And so, you know, I, I highly recommend that for for a lot of these sort of uh, you know more technical things, so that you don't have to spend your time learning it and doing it and all that.
1: Right. And and another thing, um, uh, speaking specifically to real estate agents, is. Um, one way that a lot of real estate agents use their YouTube channels is they will make videos of the houses that they are showing and they're using YouTube as a way to, you know, Hey, I'm just going to put this house out there right on my YouTube channel. That's the worst thing that you can do with your YouTube channel as an agent, build a different channel for your houses so that you can try to rank those houses in search and all of that. But as far as building your, your personal brand or building the, the brand of your, your agency for your real estate, um, doing that as something that where you're presenting on camera, you're sharing information, that's the that's the real way that you want to do it. Because what happens is let's say that somebody is watching um, one of your videos on um, your expertise because they're trying to learn what it is that you know or they're just trying to get insight because they're getting ready to make a, a big purchase and they're just trying to inform themselves. Right. So what happens is they watch one of your videos and they subscribe to your YouTube channel. You upload your next video as a, this is a house I'm showing video, right? To where it's a house tour. And what happens is when you upload new videos, when people subscribe to your channel and they click on the little notification icon, then YouTube will actually send them an email of your uploads when you upload your videos. So what happens is you send out that – or they send out that email, and because it's not based on the topic set that the people are interested in because they might not be – they might not care about the actual houses that you're showing yet. They care more about the information that you're sharing, so they're less likely to click on the video of your house tour because they don't care right so what happens there is is youtube can tell just like any other you know email service or whatever they can tell hey this email was opened but all of these people are not clicking on it so the people that actually subscribe to this person's channel the people that are actually clicking on the bell notification for this channel they don't care about what's going on in this channel therefore the why sh- Why should the algorithm promote this channel? Because the people that are actually subscribed to this channel and actually signed up for notifications don't care about this channel either.
0: That's a really important tip, I think, um, in terms of what the content is gonna be on your channel and making it high value, not yes. selling stuff. Yes. I mean, that's the that's the big thing. Not, here's my listing, I wanna buy it? You know, I'm right. trying to sell this, I'm trying right. to push this out. It's creating high value content information Uh, And then establishing your expert positioning, establishing your authority in the market, establishing a, you know, warm, friendly, you know, uh, personality that people trust and relate to and all that kind of stuff and delivering high value content that people want to consume and they're interested in and all that. Yes. So that's what it is. Now, if someone wanted to have uh, YouTube as a... Um, as a medium for also being able to show, here's a 360 degree you know, video tour of this house. Would you recommend, Nick, that, they, that that be maybe a separate channel and then they have it as one of their kind of.
1: Yes. Without question, make it a separate channel. Add it to your to your channel page as a, channel, as a playlist. As a playlist, as a section, right? and yeah. Because then a it can stream playlist.
0: through, and it can be on your channel. Yes. But it's not being published through your channel and going out to everybody to divert right. that level of interest. So you can still have it there. So when someone's on your channel and they're consuming your content, all that go like, oh, like let me check out your listings too. Right. But you're not force feeding that to everybody that's gonna then unsubscribe, yeah,
1: and in addition to that, you know a lot of real estate agents and a lot of just professionals that are selling anything um they think that um, their YouTube channel needs to only be you know, those specific topics. But if you, if you have like a local business, if you're selling real estate locally, like in your situation, it's a little bit different, but um, for local real estate agents that focus on their local area, you also might want to think about, okay, well, not only am I going to share my real estate tips to, to share the knowledge set that I have, but I'm also going to share, um, you know, Hey, these are the top, top, these are the top 10 things that, um, that happen every year in this area that you want to make sure that you check out. Right. So that basically you become not only, uh, or not, you're not only showing your expertise on the the your real estate knowledge, but you're also positioning yourself as a resource for the local community on all of these other topics that are directly related to the community. In addition to just being that that real estate resource, right. so so you become like uh you know hey. I wonder what's going to be happening this month. I need to go to this person's YouTube channel and see, you know, what's coming up um, this month, what it is that they're talking about that's that's coming in the community this month.
0: Right. What are the biggest mistakes that you see people making on YouTube? Maybe they're putting in effort, you know, maybe they're putting in time and they're trying to do it and they just come to you and say, Nick, I'm not getting the views, you know, my, my subscribership's not going up and not just my videos, they're, they're not getting enough people to watch them. What are some of the biggest things where you then take a look and be like, uh, that's why and that's why, you know, that you see people sort of mistakes that they're making?
1: Um, in most cases, it comes down to improperly titling their videos because they're they're titling videos based on things that they think people might be looking for instead of actually looking into seeing what people are looking for. So basically every single video that you upload to YouTube, um, you want to optimize that video for search. And if you're doing it for local business, then that can be even more powerful because you're, the competition that you have is extremely low in terms of local business. And another way that you can actually leverage YouTube is let's say that you are a new real estate agent, and you don't have the authority yet in your area. Your website is new, so you don't have the authority in your website in terms of being able to outrank other agents in your in your uh, area. YouTube. You can put up a video today, and if you optimize that video properly for search, depending on, you know, the competition in your area, if you optimize that video properly for search, you can outrank the websites that have been on that, – that have been in your uh, in your area for 10 years with that video that you uploaded 15 minutes ago. Wow. Right? And you can be that number one search result as a video result, which people, you know, click on like crazy, on top of the people that have the established websites in your area.
0: Wow. Wow. So that's that. That I think is really uh, important and really significant. So let's let let me back up also a little bit and just kind of talk to you a little bit as a, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. Can you give us a little insight in terms of how you structure your time and you manage your time uh, as a business owner? I mean, you're. You know, YouTube publications are obviously, you know, very meticulously uh, planned and orchestrated and, and that kind of stuff. But you do other stuff too. I mean, you do podcasting and you do, you know, you have other streams of income as, a, as an entrepreneur. You do a lot of stuff. So um, I feel like one of the things that people struggle with, not even just new entrepreneurs, but even people that have been doing it for a while, uh, is time management uh, and time mastery and being able to really get themselves to focus and produce. Uh, uh, the things that are going to add the most value to the business, right? So yeah. how do you sort of as a business owner, and entrepreneur, structure your time and, you know, make those decisions? Um, I structure my time based on, I, I'm a really big fan and
1: this might sound kind of counter, uh, you know, this is maybe against the norm a little bit, but, but I'm a, I'm a very big fan of making sure that my happiness in the way that i'm living my life every day is a humongous priority over everything else so because of that um i'm typically the most productive later in the evening um and when i wake up i'm like a little bit more scattered and you know like my brain just isn't there yet um so what happens is i will typically wake up i'll meditate for 20 minutes a day um after my meditation i'll get ready i'll go out i'll grab a coffee and then while i'm grabbing a coffee i'll do my youtube comments i'll i'll you know be on facebook talking to anybody that's awake over on the other side of the world that I'm working with and, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, things are getting done that need to be done and, um, uh, and, and then just kind of freestyle the rest of my day until it comes, you know, like evening time and then I'll go home and then I'll sit down and, and, you know do all of that so if i have like an actual client meeting that i have to be there for then i'll go and do that but outside of scheduled meetings um i, I, I freestyle most of everything that i do and I, I arrange it on just how i'm feeling what it is that i that i want to work on and i prioritize things based on um what i want to do right. so i like i know it sounds right. it sounds kind of weird and maybe not the best way to do it but you know for for me i mean that's i, I you know like I, i'm i'm uh a, a, uh, a, a really big fan of making sure that um because you know, we we have a limited amount of time so i'm i 'm a really big fan of of making sure that the time that I do have is spent in a way that that I enjoy because right. because there 's no turning back
0: and how do you or how have you i guess we we have a, you have a long entrepreneurial trajectory sure. so uh, uh some of this may be some of this particular question may be relevant to various points along your entrepreneurial journey and you can talk about um, whatever point you want but uh, I want to ask how you deal with stress and how you deal with, um, shall we say, uh, down moments in the entrepreneurial roller coaster, which is one of the things that I talked about in my talk at Nomad yeah. Summit. Uh, you, you know, and what I tell all people that are trying to get into the entrepreneurial game is, listen, this—you know—there is a very real entrepreneurial roller yes. coaster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I started a real estate investment company in 2007 on um, the. Verge of the global right. financial collapse which was the centerpiece of which was the u s real estate market yeah. right uh you know but but certainly whatever space you're in right i mean there's you know the, the it goes up and it goes down and how have you over the years obviously you've been in the game a long time uh dealt with those those down moments in the in the roller coaster uh and and high stress periods and how are you able to kind of get through those what techniques do you use um i in those periods I stress out
1: just like everybody else. Um, uh, I've been meditating, you know, for like three years now. So for me that, you know, that definitely helps because it, it helps me. And I know that it it sounds kind of new agey, but it, but it, it helps me just kind of, um, Keep an eye on how my brain is operating and in the the ways that my brain is working and thinking about things. Um, so, because of that, um, that helps me in terms of hey, this particular thing that I'm working on isn't working, or it's not working as well as I would like it to. But it's not the end of the world. It's you know, it's it's something that it's not working right now. So instead of freaking out about it, I need to figure out exactly what it is that's making it not work, um, figure out how to make it work, or just wrap it up, you know, and, and make that decision. So it's not necessarily a process that I go through per se. It's just more about um, recognizing what my brain is doing in the moment and trying to, you know, again, lean on the lifestyle or, or something like that in terms of, um, you know, how I actually cope with downtimes. Right. So um That was a little long winded. No, it was a
0: real no it's a really good I mean, one of the things that I do find that a lot of uh you know, highly successful or kind of peak performing people will say in interviews is that meditation is really a key to, you know, to their, you know, w- w- they do it every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people that are in high stress, high intensity environments or people that are really performing at a very high level, uh, I think that's a very consistent thing. Now, do you do um, a guided meditation? Do you do a, a, do you do TM? Do you do, do you use apps like Headspace or like, uh, you know, how do you do your meditation? Um, I
1: basically, I have a, a cushion and I'll wake up and then I'll just go sit down in there and then I'll just, I'll breathe just mindfulness. Okay. Yeah. So basically I'll just sit down uh, on my, my cushion, yep. and then I, I basically just sit there, and then I breathe it through. I have a, a little timer um, on my phone, and then I just let that run out, and I, and then I'm good to go. So, and I can say for for anybody that that doesn't do meditation, at least for me personally, um, like, and and again, this sounds weird coming, you know, like if you if you. Don't meditate. This sounds weird, but um uh it, it has literally changed the way that I perceive everything. Because, you know, like we have the inner dialogue going in our heads all the time and, and especially in, a, in in situations to where like business is going down or, or or you're having like a dry spell, right? And you have all this stuff going on in your head, all this inner dialogue to where you're making things a lot worse than they usually are. You know, like in your brain, your mind is saying, hey, this is the end of the world. Everything's over, you know, like, you know, this sucks. Now I'm going to end up having to go get a job. What if this doesn't work out? And you're having all these, you know, self-doubts that are coming into your head. But for me, what meditation has done is it's helped me be able to identify and separate myself from those thoughts. So like when those thoughts start creeping in, I can identify and say, okay, well, this is just a thought that I'm having, um, you know, based on, you know, what I'm going through and, and how I'm feeling at this moment in time right now. So so i just recognize that as a thought yeah it's a, it's definitely a situation that i'm in but it's not something that i'm going to let ruin my day so to speak or ruin you know how i make my decisions throughout the day or how i treat other people throughout my day because this particular thing isn't working out in my life and then that allows me to to let that thought go and then Actually address whatever problem it is when I'm in front of my computer when I'm actually dealing, you know, with the issue instead of letting it be a monkey on my back, so to speak, throughout the whole day and, and influence literally my entire experience every day.
0: That's really significant. Um, so if somebody wants to start learning more about meditations. I feel like one of the things that happens is, you know, the way you described what you do, you know, somebody might say, oh, I'm just going to jump in to try to like sit down and do an unguided, you know, meditation on my own for 20 minutes every single day. And I think what sometimes happens is, you know, people like their mind will wander off and then they'll get disillusioned with it or frustrated, with, oh, I can't do that or whatever. And sure. then they'll kind of like drop the practice. So yeah. like, do you have a recommendation, either a, a resource, you know, that someone should should start with, like read this or listen to this or whatever? to learn Absolutely. about how to do it. Or do you have a recommendation for kind of a you know a building process? Like, where should someone who's never meditated or or, or never done it as a as a serious and consistent practice? How should they start, and how should they evolve into it? Um,
1: the first thing, at least, what got me into it um, is I had always like wanted to try it, and I would sit down and like you were talking about, I would get frustrated, and I would be like, you know, like this doesn't even make sense. My mind just kind of going whatever. I, I expected to sit down, and then my mind just kind of blank out, and then you know, like everything's okay, right? Like that's what that's the expectation that I had, um, but I read a book uh, called Search Inside Yourself, and that book is, I can't remember his name, but, um, but it's basically by, uh, like, the Google ambassador. He's, like, the guy that, um, like, when, like, presidents come to Google or, like, high-level people go to Google, he's the guy that, like, you know, walks them in the front door, arranges everything, and, you know, makes them feel comfortable and all that, so um, he actually started a, um, like, he's, like, a lifelong meditator, but he also started a program at Google for their staff. Um, as well, but basically, as part of that, he wrote this book to help you know additional people, and it really demystified meditation because you know initially, before I actually uh, started practicing meditation, I looked at it as something like, hey, this is something that hippies do, or this is something that you know people that are into like the New agey type. Stuff do or something like that, but there's actually like real hard science behind what happens in your brain when you when you meditate. It's not it's not you know like a spiritual thing. It's not like I mean it can be depending on what it is that you're doing, but it's not it's not necessarily a spiritual thing. It's not necessarily this like woo woo type of thing. There's actually actually hard science behind it in terms of how your brain responds to meditation. And and this book not only does it share some of that information, um, but it also simplifies the process in terms of. In a real basic way, when you sit down, don't expect anything. Just sit down, focus on your breathing, and that's it. If your mind wanders off, that's normal. That's, that's not a big deal. You're not doing it wrong, so to speak. You're not, you know, hey, this isn't a bad meditation session, so to speak, because your mind wandered off. The fact that you identify that your mind wandered off and that you're able to pull it back to your breath again, you're winning. Every time you do that, you're winning. And over time, just like if you go to the gym and you're working on your muscles, every time you do that, you're basically increasing your ability to recognize those thoughts as they start taking you um, in the wrong direction. Right. Again,
0: long-winded. But, yeah, uh, that's a really that's a really <laughs> substantive answer, though. I mean, I think I think that's really important, right? Because a lot of people hear like, "Oh, I'm going to meditate," or they listen to something like, "Oh, all these successful people meditate." I think I'm going to try that, and then they get frustrated, they get yeah. disillusioned, they don't do it. You know, so it's it's a commitment to cultivating as a practice, right? Yeah. And so I think there's you know that's that's a really significant uh, you, you know framework for people that want to get into that. All right. Are you ready for some lightning round questions? All right, let's do it. Now you're drink of water. Now your answers. Um, your answers can be as long as you want. So don't feel like you have to give a rushed answer. These okay. are just going to be short questions. The lightning round. And the first one I'm going to start with. I've never asked anyone else before. Oh, but great. You are going to get it. All right. Top five hip hop MCs of all
1: time. Oh man, I gotta say Eminem. I gotta say Jay Z. Um, I have to say, uh, I personally like uh, most Def
0: also. Um, top five. I'm giving you five. Have you seen, have you seen by the way, the, the Chris Rock movie called Top Five? No. Okay. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, you should watch it. Okay. It's called Top Five, and the reference is top five hip-hop MCs of all time. And so oh. the whole movie... They're asking just, they're, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a film, right? But the, the characters in the film are asking each other about their top five favorite hip hop MCs. You got to watch Nice. It. But anyways, so after seeing that movie, it's an amazing conversational piece. I find for anybody that has any love for hip hop or has for any number of years anyways, right? Sure. Uh, and so I find it to be a great, so, okay. So you got, uh, you got, uh, Eminem, Jay-Z and Most Def. Yeah. I would say, they, uh, uh
1: Common is in there also. Okay. Yeah. Common. Yep. And, uh, who would number five be? Gosh, this is such a, whew, that's so tough. Um, like in my brain right now, I'm like, okay, who would be a really good fit for this? And then I'm like, well, I don't want to say this person. And take your time, take your time. Listen,
0: this is an important, this is it important, is, answer. right? And because gonna, as soon as I say number five, for, I'm excluding so many awesome MCs, yeah, right? But you're allowed, right? Yeah. Like to be honest, you know how I'll usually, I'll, get, I'll buy you a little time here and okay. answer. What I'll usually do when I have this conversation with people that love hip hop, I'll be like, who are your top five? Because mm. I'll ask the question first, and then they'll tell me their top five, and then they'll turn around to me and be like, who are your top five? Yeah. And I'll intentionally pick five that they didn't name, mm. so that we can have a total of 10 sure do you know what i mean sure, so sure. I well that's him. coming yeah that's oh, coming oh, oh, that's oh, coming oh,
1: oh.
0: <laughs> you're gonna flip <laughs> the lightning <laughs> round question
1: on me <laughs> um man for for number five gosh this is such an important one this is probably the most important thing that we've talked about yeah I, right i
0: would say so gosh who I would, would this say number so.
1: five be even though they're awesome i don't want to say biggie and tupac because it's just kind of like you know that's expected so i don't want to say that you're Allowed,
0: um, huh? You're allowed, You're allowed. Okay. but to, but you only have one though. You can't yeah, say them both. I know, I
1: know. Um, okay, I'll throw I'll throw uh, I'll throw Big in there just to, just to go ahead and, and put that in there. That's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, so
0: how about you? <laughs> oh, how about hey, you? you? Throw it back on me. <laughs> Let's see. You picked Biggie. Um, so, most of my stuff is going to be East Coast, New okay. York City stuff, and it's All also right. going to be 90s. So, stuff. Nas is probably going to be in there. Nas is, I would probably put Nas in there. Um, you already named Biggie. Uh, I would put, I will tell you actually who really influenced me very early on in a deep and meaningful way and getting me to hip hop was, uh, I would say, Chuck D from Public Enemy. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, I would say uh, maybe Guru from Gangstar. Okay. Uh, would be very high on that list for me. What is that three? Um, I would say, hmm, it's tough,
1: right? As the, as it starts coming to an end, it's like man, because you start excluding a lot of people.
0: You know, you know who I might even say who I feel like it, uh, it's. It would, it, it would be New York City-based stuff. I mean, almost all my stuff is going to be East Coast. I mean, I do have appreciation and love for, like, certain stuff that came out of the West Coast. But for me, it's like, you know, East Coast is really where it's at. I might say—you know what I might even put in there that some people might think was controversial? I might even put Heavy D ah, interesting. in there. Because I feel like some people feel he was kind of a little bit on the pop sort of side of things. But I feel like his— skills and what he contributed uh, was really huge and really significant. I think mm-hmm. his body of work was enormous and really significant. So I might even put Heavy the there. I'm trying to think about people that influenced me personally, you know? I, I mean, was
1: influenced a lot by uh, by uh, like Ice-T and Ice Cube, even though they're not like really high on the MC level. Yeah. It was just like, you know, at that particular time it was like, man, these guys are so cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and like that side of it, like yeah. these days, Ice-T, would he, would, he wouldn't have stand a chance. Right. But back then it was like, man, I, I, you know, it's just so cool. It well, sounds Ice- so cool. Cube, cool, how he says I stuff. I mean,
0: Ice Cube has had longevity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Ice yes. Cube is widely yeah. regarded. I mean, I saw, uh, you know, somebody, what, Snoop Dogg was on a late night show and somebody said top three rappers of all time. And mm. he said Ice Cube oh. was in there for him, nice. you know. Nice. Um, yeah, I personally wouldn't put him at the
1: in, in a top ten. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I mean,
0: I might have to say Rakim. Okay. I mean, I, th- I feel like, you know, just in terms of like, you know, uh, people that took the whole thing to another level. You know, you sort of kind of have to say Rakim in in there, you know, to give that props. But, yeah – I think I'm probably at my five, but, right. I, I mean, East Coast, East Coast stuff, you know, Naughty by Nature, EPMD, Dos Effects, those kind of, you know, those kind of groups, I think, had a lot of influence on me.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. They had a lot of influence on the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. What a yeah. great
1: time. Amazing. You know what I mean? Like, when all of that was, when all of that was happening, man, Na- what a great time. 90s hip hop just it amazing. It changed the world.
0: It was amazing. I, um... Oh, I was going to, I don't know if I told you about this since you love hip hop, you'll appreciate this. So I was down in uh, in uh, Medellin, Colombia last year for a month and there is a community there uh, called Comuna Trece, community number 13, right? Uh, and that community was, uh, uh, this was a number of years ago, maybe a decade and a half ago or so. Uh, there was a, the government uh, committed a large human rights massacre there and they mm-hmm. ma- massacred a bunch of civilians and stuff. They said the community was harboring the, Uh, you know, rebels, you know, FARC, I think, uh, rebels, where they said were harboring there or whatever, whatever the pretext was. And they went in and they just mowed down like a huge part of the civilian community. It was a terrible massacre. It's pretty high profile. Um, But anyways, what happened was the community, uh, as they were rebuilding the community, they decided to rebuild it on the pillars of hip hop culture. And so the community is first and foremost a street art, All throughout the entire community, right? Which is a combination of, you know, different images or, or pictures that are significant to the artists and the people in the community or things that make them think of positive things. But also there's a mural of Rakim in the community. And there's like all of this like hip hop iconography there as part of the street art. Nice. And they have a hip hop community center where they teach kids as young as five years, starting as young as five years old, how to MC, how to DJ, and how to break dance. That's and awesome! It's oh, it was unbelievable. And so we took a tour of this community, and our tour guide was one of the top rappers in Colombia. Personally, gave up us the tour, um, and uh, and then he did a, a hip hop uh, workshop with our tour group. And basically, show, it's like this is how we teach the kids that are like five, six, seven years old how to rap, you know. And he did this hip hop workshop with us, and then they did a graffiti uh, workshop with us, and they and they you know were showing us graffiti techniques for how to use the spray paint and all this kind of stuff. And then they invited us to join in a breakdancing class that they were having nice. for like five, six, seven, eight year olds. Wow, it was unbelievable. I bet it was amazing. Um, and what I'll do is I'll send you, I'll send you this link, um, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes too for people that are interested. Um, this. uh, uh Rapper who gave us the tour, Jaco, His name was. Uh, he actually did a TEDx talk in Medellin about the significance of hip hop and how it had influenced their community. So he's talking about how you know it originated in the South Bronx, but it wasn't you know in originating in the South Bronx it wasn't just an African American art form. It was in large part of Latino art form as well, right? As all these, you know, hip-hop artists and DJs in the South Bronx are coming out were also Latino and they're different to being African-American and that Spanish language connection and all of this made it very highly relevant for you know, colonized and oppressed, you know, communities of color all around the world and that they resonated with, the, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so he gives this whole TEDx talk about the significance of hip-hop and how their community adopted it and how they're using it for, you know, the, 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 the revitalization, the rebuilding of their community. I mean, just nice. unbelievable stuff. Nice. I mean, just amazing. Nice. So that's, that's,
1: that's incredible. Yeah, yeah that, they, that they rebuilt a whole community on that. You know, what's, you know what I find crazy about stuff like that is like, uh, like when people first started making hip-hop, yeah. right? Like they had no idea. Right, they were just doing it because, like, hey, this is cool. I, you know, this is fun. I love riding these beats or whatever. And then it's like, you know, next thing you know, you know, a, a community is being rebuilt in Medellin, Colombia, yeah. From, yeah. from from you know from what they started. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely incredible.
0: So, all right, so that was a long answer to the lightning round question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're so maybe go... not so lightning. That was just kind of like thunderstorm. Thunderstorm. It's like the thunderstorms yeah. yeah. like thunderstorm rolling around. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, the next question is uh, what. Would you say are your top, you know, one, two, or three sort of um, uh, favorite either they can be YouTube shows or they can be podcasts or they can be blogs, um, but you know, content that you consume that you find valuable that you would recommend to other people?
1: Top, um, top two or three. Um, I like SciShow because I like to learn things and they basically take, um, take, uh, the knowledge of humans, basically, and they they put it into bite sized clips. You know, like if you want to learn about, you know, like you know, wh- why do you get a cold? Like that kind of stuff. You know, they just give you all these bite size bite bite clips of information, which is great.
0: And that's and what's the uh, site SciShow? The,
1: yeah, how do you spell it? Um, S R yeah, s c i s h o w. Okay, is it a, is it a video YouTube a channel? YouTube, sh- yeah, YouTube channel. channel. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. very large YouTube channel. Okay. Um, yeah, SciShow is awesome. Um, let's see here, Joe Rogan, of course. Um, The Joe Joe
0: Rogan Experience podcast? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I watch that on YouTube or listen to it while I'm working. Okay. Um, And I I really like Vsauce also, which Vsauce, um, he also does science-based stuff, um, but he doesn't upload as frequently as he used to, but, uh, but... like when you watch his videos by the time you're done, you're just exhausted in your brain by by all of the the information that he shares like, like a, in reality it, it makes you feel smart yeah. but by the time it's done, you literally have no idea what's going on but but like he's presenting it in a great way and you're like wow, that's really good I never even thought about that but by the time it's over you're like man i I, I feel smart but I have no idea what just happened to me right As yeah.
0: a YouTube show also
1: yeah okay yeah, also a YouTube show
0: um all right top three travel destinations that you have ever been to that you would Love to go back to recommend to other people and so forth.
1: Um, I loved Japan. Absolutely loved Tokyo. Um, been to Tokyo a, a handful of times now. Loved it. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Cambodia. Yeah, I really enjoyed Cambodia. And of course, the south of Thailand. I, I, I love, you know, like I'm up north right now. But the one thing that I don't like about being up here is that we don't have the water that they have down there. Like I, I'm a big fan of the beach, and uh, uh, but it's so hot and all that, you know, that that I just couldn't. Yeah, you know, I would prefer not to live down there. Um, but but I I absolutely love the south of Thailand.
0: Yeah, I was on the islands. Ko- I was on the island of Copenhagen last year mm. for about five weeks and yeah. just lived right on the beach and it was just how incredible, insane. Yeah, but I will say you're right. I mean, the weather up here it's less humid it's you know it's just it's gorgeous up here in Chiang Mai so it's amazing and I agree Cambodia I was in uh, Phnom Penh last year for a month as well I spent about a week in Siem Reap Mm. Siem Reap blew me away yeah I mean, that's like one of my top Southeast Asia regional recommendations If people. I say go to Siem Reap because those temple complexes that you will see, I mean, Angkor Wat is the most famous. But to me, you know, some of the other ones like, you know, in that area were even more just aesthetically just like stunning. Like, wow. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So. I always tell people, like, uh,
1: when, you know, like, if I'm talking to people online as an example, and they're like, hey, I'm coming to Thailand, you know, what should I do in Thailand? I'm like, well, you should come to Thailand, but you should also make sure that you make time to go see Angkor Wat and the stuff in that area. Because, uh, you know, like, if you're going to come this far, like, if you're coming from the Western world and you're going to come this far, right. like, you can't come over here without seeing that, in my opinion. agree. You know, yeah. totally
0: agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. So, places you've never been, bucket list travel destinations, what are your top two or three? I want to go to Vietnam. I haven't been to Vietnam yet,
1: oddly. Um, I want to do Machu Picchu. Nice. Um, and uh, Paris is on my list. I've never been to Paris, but it's but but it's been a place that I've always wanted to go. I actually have this vision in my mind of um, once everything is like exactly how I want it to be in my life, like I have this like this like moment of accomplishment that I that you know I hope I don't die before before I actually say okay, well I'm just going to book a ticket, right? But um but I I have this vision of myself sitting um outside of a cafe somewhere in Paris. Yeah. Um my laptop is sitting there on the table, and then I can see the uh, Eiffel Tower in the background. That's like my vision of like okay, like this is exactly how I want everything to be. Everything is like right on point. This is my moment right now.
0: Paris, I feel, is a city that lives up to the hype. Mm. I feel that it does. You nice. know I mean? Everyth- everybody's like, oh, Paris, it's this, it's that. And this is the Paris of the whatever region. And this is, you know, it's just like huge iconic thing. And you're like, is it really, when I, by the time I get there, is it really going to be all that? I kind of feel that it does live up to the nice. life. I nice. love, See, now I'm even more excited. I, listen, I love Paris. I mean, I've never lived there for an extended period. But, you know, when I go through Paris or I spend time there, I, you know, stop over for four days. or something. I really, I mean, I, I have nothing negative to say about Paris. I really like it. Um, and uh, Machu Picchu is amazing. Mm. I did that about two years ago. I mean that that's also lives up to the hype. That's an extraordinary experience. Um, so you just then, reinforced both of those. Listen, man. What I about endorse- Vietnam? What do you have for Vietnam? So actually, uh, I've only been to Ho Chi Minh City for a long weekend, but I'm going uh, for a month. Uh, March. Uh, uh, I'm going to go to Da Nang. Okay. I'll be there for a month. Okay. So nice. if, you to, if you want to come visit, man, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be around. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. A, you know it's central coast. You know, uh, so it's on, yeah, it's on the water. Yeah, on the water. Yeah, uh, and then easy access to either if you want to go north to Hanoi, you want to go south to uh, Ho Chi Minh City. or you want to just hang out on some of those cool beach towns, uh, I will be there for a month, brother. So you got an okay. invite to come yeah, and over. That's and that's in March? We'll hang, yeah. That's be
1: great because that's smoke season here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so if you want to get yeah. out for a
0: little bit, Yeah, on the water. Oh, actually, yeah. You got a standing invitation, my friend. Okay, awesome. Right. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, um, and sort of last question, and then uh, I, I want you to tell people how they can get a hold of you. Um, what would you say would be the, did you have one, if you were to pick one sort of most influential book or resource, you know, in your entrepreneurial journey, they really inspired you, motivated you, moved you that you might want to, you know, recommend or pass on to somebody else?
1: Um, yes. And this is funny because it reads like a children's book,
0: right? Um, I read this book a long
1: time ago. I think I was like, uh, I was 20, I believe when I read it and, um, um, I had already gotten started on the entre- entrepreneurial journey, so to speak, but I I wasn't, like, really in tune in terms of, of you know, thinking about the lifestyle and thinking about how you can, you know, leverage your position to, you know, create greater good and all of that good stuff. And um, there's a book called Rhinoceros Success. Okay. Right? And at the time, um, this book, basically, after I was finished with it, like, you, you, it's so easy, you can read it in, like, an afternoon. But for whatever reason... Um, the way that the information was delivered in that book really resonated with me at the time, and um, and it, it basically made me commit to saying, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to stay on this path, and no matter what, I'm going to keep you know I'm going to keep walking down my own road, so to speak instead of instead of trying to make sure that I'm you know hey, I'm on this because you know people say you should do this or I'm doing this because people should do this. It basically um, inspired me. To, to make that commitment to say, okay, no matter what, I'm, I'm going to keep walking down this path. If it goes well, awesome. If it doesn't go well, then I'm going to keep going until I can figure out how to make it go well. And if it means that I have to die trying, then that's what I'm going to do. But if it means that you know I can also keep educating myself and all of that in order to make things work out, then that's what I'll do as well. But this is the path that I want to be on, and I'm going to commit to that path. I actually – which you can't see this on the show, but I actually got a tattoo to remind myself. Um, that, that that was the path that I wanted to be on so that every day when I got out of the shower I would see in the mirror and remind myself that this is the, the path that I want to be on.
0: That is amazing. Do you remember who the author is of the um, book? Scott Alexander. Okay. Yeah, it's
1: okay. actually like a three-part series but, um, but the one that got me started um, was Rhinoceros, Rhinoceros Success and it's, it's ridiculous. Like when, when you read it you're just reading through it and you're just kind of like wow, this is just like a, a kid's book but for whatever reason you know, di- different things resonate with different people, right? And for whatever reason that book just really made a huge impact on me in terms of, 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 of committing to, to that life.
0: Incredible. So we'll, we'll put the link to that book in the show notes as well. Um, and then how can people find you, Nick? I mean, the first thing I want to do is certainly encourage people to check out your YouTube channel. I have spent a bunch of time watching it since uh, you and I met at the conference and the amount of highly substantive free help content on there for wherever you are in your video journey, including yeah. super beginners uh, who, who are about to start a channel, you know, in terms of getting off the ground, what are the first steps, what mistakes to avoid, how to do this stuff. I mean, it's all there. So uh, the first thing I want to do is send people to your YouTube channel, uh, and then, uh, you know, they can follow you on social or connect with you however they want. So so h- how do they do that?
1: Um, you can find me on my website, com. And then, you know, all roads lead to room from there. So one thing I also want to say for anybody listening, um, as far as my YouTube channel is concerned, um, like Matt was saying, I, I give freely on the channel. Like, it's not a sales pitch, you know, or anything like that. Like, I give freely on the channel. And, and my thing um, with that channel the main thing that I'm trying to accomplish there is um, basically creating ripples of you know inspiration and knowledge to help other people that are wanting to get into video because I being as being somebody that is in the space of sharing uh, information that helps other creators um, gives me the opportunity to help those people reach other people in a in a better or more efficient way and because of that I give freely all of the information that I have on my, on my YouTube channel. And it's not, it's not a sales pitch. So definitely go over there if you want to learn uh, anything about making videos or YouTube.
0: Okay. And then if people want to follow you on social and stuff, they can get all that through your website, yeah, all that
1: through my website or, or from my YouTube channel, either one.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Nick
1: Nimmin everywhere. N-I-C-K-N-I-M-M-I-N. That's my, that's my handle everywhere.
0: Right. Fantastic. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so thank much you. for being on the show, man. This is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you, uh, having me on. Absolutely, buddy.
1: Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash nomad. Are you following Maverick Investor Group on social media at Invest Maverick? You'll get exclusive content such as behind the scenes footage, travel adventures, and tips on real estate investing and lifestyle design. Follow Maverick Investor Group on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, all at Invest
0: Maverick.